We got to talk, man. I'm excited about this message. I'm excited that I get to share with my beautiful bride of 22 years. Amen. It's been about the best six years ever. True story. True story. (laughs) So I was like, he didn't say. So we're going to be able to share uh, what we've discovered in our our marriage. And if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, uh, we want to talk today from the topic, a different kind of love. A different kind of love. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, it says this, and, and you know, Irene and I have done many marriages in our uh, time as, in full-time ministry. We've been in full-time ministry since 1995. Wow. Some of y'all weren't even born yet. Come on, somebody. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> and uh, and I, I'm going to say that as I've been the pastor and, and people have said I do, mm-hmm. I think they said I do to the person, but they didn't say I do to their issues. Say that again. I I think they said I do to the person, Mm -hmm. but they didn't say I do to their issues or I will last. Come on, somebody through hard seasons. And so this was a scripture that we read. And I I think that many of us, honestly, the scripture was read and we said I do, but we lied because we didn't really understand this scripture. But it says this in first Corinthians. I'm going to read from the passion translation. It says love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessings comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements, nor inflates its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seeks its own honor. Love is not easily irritated, me, or quick to take offense, Irene. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. And then I love this next part. Love is a safe place of shelter. For it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat. For it never gives up. Love never stops loving. Another version says love never fails. And so my question as we begin this talk is, if love never fails, then why is marriage just failing? If love never fails, when we say we fall in love with someone, is there really such a thing of, as falling out of love with someone? And so we want to talk from this different kind of love because we believe that it takes a different kind of love to have a different equation for a healthy marriage. And many of you who are single and you're saying, well, I'm not sure about marriage, but most of us, if we're single and we're not sure about marriage, it's because we have had a bad representation or or a bad model of what marriage and what love truly is, a different kind of love. Different kind of love. Like, it's hard to love each other's differences. I mean, Jimmy and I met 20 years ago, 22 years ago. Yep. And nine months because technically we got married, we met and were married in nine months. Not recommended. She couldn't keep her hands off me, so I was like, girl, you gotta marry this. You better lock it down. There's a line. There's a long line. You better lock it down. The Bible says it's better to marry than to burn. Come on. Okay. But all of the things I was drawn to that like were different, like we were polar opposites. Opposites do attract. We were drawn to the opposite nature of each other, right? We were super different. And we loved it initially, yeah. right? I was like, I love everything that's so different from um, about you. Sparks were flying. We get married. But then the differences started to divide us. We, the things that I loved about him in the beginning, I began to despise. 
literally resent. You don't have to raise your hand, but I know you're out there. You feel the same way or have felt the same way. The very thing that drew you to the person, you find yourself being so annoyed about, and it's causing division in your relationship. Like literally, like I loved your your adventurousness, your the risk-taking nature that you had. But then I was like, wait a minute, I was trying to, I came into the relationship trying to change that about him. The very thing that drew me. And I don't think we were living out this scripture because we shamed one another. We did. And it says, don't shame each other. We literally shamed one another and abused one another verbally at times wow. through our anger. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And we were selfish at times. We were, you know, it, like we kept record of wrongs. Like all of these things that it says that love is, we were not. And the scripture starts out saying love is large. Mm -hmm. It's not small. It's not short-tempered. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have a short fuse. Mm -hmm. And so what Irene and I have discovered is our differences... They don't have to divide us. Yeah. They can actually complete us. Mm -hmm. And maybe the goal is not for me to get Irene to think like me. Huh. Maybe the goal is not to think alike, but maybe to think together. Mm -hmm. And this idea of unity, love is unity. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, just what you want in your marriage, what you want in your relationships is unity. Mm -hmm. But here's the deal. There is no such thing as unity unless there is the existence of diversity. Yeah, that's true. And so unity requires two complete different people with two different personalities, with two different likes. Come on, somebody. With two different appetites of where we're going to dinner. With two different appetites of our frequency of when we coming together to make love. Like, like what I'm saying is, is, is there's two people. It takes two. There's a, a great uh, a philosopher that says prophet. It takes two to make a thing go right. It takes two to make it out of sight. I'm going to rock right now. I'm right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. Don't get me started. And so what I want to say is this. <laughs> Your relationship should start at compatibility. Are we compatible? Well, compatibility acknowledges two different things, right? There has got to be one that's giving and one that's receiving that requires compatibility. But it should start at compatibility but not finish at compatibility. Compatibility should go from compatibility to capacity. Capacity is, do I have what it takes to be a part of the blueprint for my spouse's healing? Uh-huh. And in other words, capacity, marriage, your spouse is the blueprint for your purpose. Mm -hmm. Your spouse is the blueprint for your healing. Yeah. Your spouse is the blueprint for everything that's not right about you because that's why God even equates marriage as the church. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so the issues that tick you off are actually the issues that you're supposed to be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus to apply his grace to so that your spouse can experience a part of God through you. So single people, as you are looking for a good enough person to marry, because I don't believe there's a one, 
there's a good enough person for us all out there to come into union with, like look for those qualities. Does this person have the capacity to love me past my yuck? Wow. And vice versa. Wow. And I think what we are discovering mm -hmm. is our differences are making us better. Yeah. And this different kind of love. Come on, we live in a culture that, man, there, there's a show called Married at First Sight. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because that place that you messed them, that you met them, you're getting their very best. Come on, they just got to shape up, just got their nails done. Come on, just got their hair did. And you're getting the best. And what happens is compatibility, it reveals the best. But capacity is for the worst. It's for the worst. It's for the see-nothing seasons. It's for the hard times. It's for, you know, Irene and I have discovered that, that marriage is a revealer, mm -hmm. not a fixer. That's right. Marriage is a magnifier, not just a mirror. That's right. And what we've come to discover is why is it that when people get married, it's like all the problems that you wish you had, you know, found out about in what? while you were dating, they all now come to the surface. Come on. Yep. Like, it's like there's a, there's a blockage, a warfare. Like, come on, before you got married, you couldn't keep your hands off of each other. You were trying to not to do everything. Come on, to keep it holy. Now you get married, and it's like, what's up, girl? You, you, you still remember me? Like, you tired again? Come on. But what is that? Why is that in every marriage? Come on. Because there's an enemy who knows that if you stay together, your purpose and your destiny is tied to the person you're tied to for the rest of your life. I love 1 John 4, 16, because it tells us about this love of God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. Everybody say it with me. God wow. is love. And we all who <laughs> live in love live in God and God lives in them. In other words, what the scripture is saying is God is love. Now, here's the deal. When we say, I love you, mm -hmm. we are saying that we define love with the one who originated it. Yep. So it's not a slow jam. Come on, somebody. Uh-huh. I mean, I grew up in the, best, in the best era of slow jams in the 80s and 90s. Come on, somebody. Like, like, like come on, Jodeci, Jodeci. Where y'all at? Boys to men. We can go on. Ralph Trasvan. I'm talking about, oh, like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm dating myself a little bit, but that's, you mean to tell me that somebody's breakup is my model of love? Come on. Come on. Come on. If you miss, listen to country music, that's sad love. Come on. That's, that's the model of love? No, 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 no. God is love, Irene said. You know about God? doesn't decide to love because he gets it back. Uh -huh. God does not say, I love you if you cook me dinner. Right. God does not say, I love you if you treat me right. God does not say, no, no, he is love. It's not a characteristic. It's not an extremity. He is love. Mm -hmm. He doesn't wake up and says, you know what, today I'll love them. No, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, mm -hmm. 
Christ died for us. That was the act of love from God to send his son, Jesus. Come on, somebody, to redeem our sins. Love is all redeeming. So in other words, when your issues come out in your spouse, it's not a chance for you to keep score. It's actually a chance to erase their scoreboard. Number one, if you're taking notes. Number one, a love, if you want a different kind of love to experience it, you have to understand that a, a love covers my history. A different kind of love covers your history. It covers your history. And here's the thing. I remember being in uh, the early stages of our marriage, and Jimmy would go away, right? He would go away to travel, and I would get super clinic. Yeah, to yeah, travel no, for no, work. No, no, I, I would leave and... Um, thank you, help me. And go mess with this shorty. No, no, <laughs> no. no. I was going to work, traveling, preaching the gospel. <laughs> but he would go away to work, and I would get super clingy, insecure, trying to track him down. Where are you at? Why haven't you called me? I would feel so sad at home. I would find myself crying for no reason, like so weird, right? But I remember the, reading the scripture, 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, have fervent unfailing love for one another because love co covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. And where I got to experience the love of wow. Jesus Christ was through my husband creating a safe place for me to uh, share that I had abandonment issues from my childhood. I literally was a nine-year-old girl when my dad went away to work overseas and to care for our family. But what did I take it as? I, the script I made up was that he left us. And that lie followed me years later into my marriage, and I felt abandoned. Wow. I had been, so Jimmy would go away and just simply trigger me. I remember feeling the same thing when I, uh, you know, I thought about, am I ever going to feel comfortable sharing with my husband stuff that happened to me in the past? Sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, date rape. Like, you know, I came from a family, I don't know about y'all, but we take stuff to the grave. We don't share. You numb, you stuff, and you keep secrets. And that was the dysfunctional upbringing that I had to break out of. Here I am bringing this into this marriage. Does my husband have the ability and the capacity to cover my history? I questioned that. I questioned that until my husband came into my world and experienced it from my point of view. Wow. He said, Irene, what are you feeling when I go away? Because I need to know a little bit more. He got curious, and I felt safe there, so I began to reveal what happened to me. I remember being the nine-year-old girl, girl crying under my bed, and nobody came to comfort me. He began to comfort me. He redeemed and showed me the love of Jesus Christ tangibly here on this earth that healed that little right. girl. And when I was full of shame about my past and my history and all of the, the, the things that had happened to me, he said, you know what, honey? I love you no matter what. I chose you back then, and I still choose you today. Wow. And here's the deal. Like, you may say, well, man, that took work. That wasn't easy. And I, wanna, I just want to encourage you with this word that doesn't sound very encouraging. Your marriage 
will always be as sick as the secrets that are in it. Your marriage will always be, listen to me, Flowers, listen to me, Baltimore County, listen to me, BWI. Your marriage will always be as sick as the secrets that are in it. Because here's the deal. Because culture says that if Irene was always asking me, where are you going? When are you going to be home? Culture says that she's clingy. Right? Culture says that she's a stalker. Mm -hmm. And that would typically divide you. But we're not of this culture. Paul says this in Romans 12. He says, do not be so easily adjusted to this culture that you fit into it without even thinking. But what I had to do is, is when I created a safe place for her to share her history, yeah. I then understood that she wasn't being clingy. All of those things from her past were, ve were being revealed so that I could love her through it to heal the nine-year-old little girl and walk the nine-year-old little girl to present day. Present. Come on, somebody. Yeah. So that we could love her through it. And so I want to encourage you that the characteristics and the, and the issues and the, and the things that your spouse is displaying that are driving you apart, they're actually supposed to bring you together. And now because she has shared and there's truth about history, mm -hmm. now I don't look at her response as at me. Mm -hmm. I look at her response as for me to love her through it. Mm -hmm. And so when she began to share her abuse... And I'll never forget this time. This is like after our recovery and after, you know, doing the good parts of our marriage. And I remember the dog, the dog, we, have, we had a bulldog and it went to the bathroom in the house and I screamed and I yelled at the dog. And, and when I tried to get the dog, I flipped the, the coffee table and the glass shattered. And all of a sudden, Irene literally screams and goes in the fetal position. And she began to like, and I had to check myself because old Jimmy would have been like, I don't know why you're tripping. I ain't even talking to you. I'm just yelling. I'm just talking to the dog. The dog went to the back. And I started explaining. But because she shared her history, I realized that that wasn't the present day, Irene. That moment of me yelling revealed the abuse. And I had an opportunity to create a safe place to heal it. So I looked at her and I said, hey, honey, What's coming up for you right now? And she began to share. And I said, I, the last thing I want to do is do anything to have you replay the cycle of that. Yeah. Can we pray right now and ask God mm -hmm. to heal that? That moment would have never happened mm -hmm. had I not had the anointing to cover her history. I want to tell you this, and Irene, take it from here. I want to tell you this, that most marriages end with one phrase mm -hmm. on the divorce papers. Irreconcilable differences. Wow. Love doesn't have irreconcilable differences. Yeah. Love yeah. is reconciling. Yeah. It's all reconciling. Yeah. So it actually has reconcilable so differences. Yeah, I love it. I mean, but we couldn't get to that point where you could heal it until I had done what James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for one another so that you can uh, live together whole and healed. My wholeness and my healing was on the other side of my confession. I had to do that 
first. Wow. And so I just thank you for being that safe place. Now, let me tell y'all, it was not safe for a very long time. Can, can you not judge me? <laughs> but we worked towards it. We worked towards mm -hmm. it. I'll never forget being in counseling. And you have to go to counseling. Men. Yes, tell them. Yeah. <laughs> we, go, we go to counseling proactively now. It's kind of like an oil change. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why we get an oil change for our car because it needs a tune-up. Yep. And could, we, could it be that we would have less breakdowns in our marriages if we looked at counseling as a tune-up? And Jimmy, that might be the safe place that some couples need to start yes. uncovering their history. You may need a mediator, and that's okay. That's right. And so for us, it, I'm telling you guys, I, I, I'm trying to understand this. I love cars. I absolutely love cars. I just saw my barber in the room, and he knows I love cars. And, uh, and when I got, a, I got this car, I wouldn't let Irene drive it. <laughs> and I, like back it out of the driveway because it's a tight fit in the garage. And, and so I, I, I literally, I was pulling out of the garage, and I ripped the front bumper off of the car. Not her, me. If somebody else had done it, it wouldn't have been a safe place. And I was so wrecked because of the car. And that night I was laying my head on the pillow. And the Holy Spirit took me to the damage that I did to the house. The house is 40 times more expensive than the car. But yet... I was so concerned about the damage of something that's so less valuable. And I think many of us are so concerned about the damage at work and the damage with this and the damage at that, but we're not concerned about the damage in our marriages. It is time for us. Come on, somebody. If you win at the wrong thing, you're going to lose at the right thing. We need a love that endures. It covers my history. Number two, a different kind of love is a love that endures my humanity. I am human. Can y'all say that with me at every campus online? Say, I, I am, am human. human. I, I am, am human. human. You're not perfect. A love that covers my humanity. I remember trying to get enough confidence to talk to my wife about how pornography calls me when we first got married. And I was like, okay, I know my wife should be my number one source of accountability. How do I tell her about this? Okay, it's not time yet. A year went by, two years went by. Come on, it's not time yet. And I had no idea that her creating a safe place to say, hey babe, I'm, I don't know why but this calls me at times and everything that I've ever done pre us, I've got like pictures in my head and I don't want those pictures and, and I need you to help me. I promise you it's not you, it's me. It has nothing to do about our frequency of being intimate. I feel like this is my thorn in the flesh. I don't know why it's so dumb and I felt the Holy Spirit 
says now is the time. And I realized that I have something very real. This is about eternity. But yet I was allowing fantasy to rob me of eternity. And I said, honey, I'm human. And she covered me. I had a lot to learn about what your humanity looked like without judging you, without shaming you about what you shared with me. That was my initial go-to, though, because I'm like, you did what? You know what I mean? Like, you're supposed to be a pastor, you know, whatever. And that shaming was not creating a safe place. So what I did was I leaned into the, tell me more about this. Where did this start? Where did it come from? I found books and resources. I went and studied um, every man's battle and began to understand the struggle of a man human being that God created in his image, fearfully and wonderfully made. He created men to be stimulated through their eye gate. Yes, he did. Needing sex every like 74 he's, hours. He's a good God. <laughs> so if God created man, like to want sex every 74 hours. 72. Don't rob me them two hours. I'm so sorry. That's three times a week, at least. Like, ladies, we have resented them for their frequency, their desire. We're like, you're too much. You're this and that. Like, it is, God created this. Don't you want to be the one that satisfies that need as a spouse and not someone else? And in terms of covering... I covered him in that issue. Like, I began to have grace and understanding for um, the struggle. Like, you thought I was attractive when you married me. I still do. You're and thank you very much. Absolutely. Like, I have grace for that now that we've, you've, you got honest with it. Sorry. And I can cover it and I can understand that you're not doing it at me. You're not betraying me because you think Halle Berry is beautiful. Right? I got a new, new celebrity crush Oh, now. my gosh. I'm not telling your name. <laughs> you are funny. She won't let me watch I that show no more. Too. I got mine. But I like to say, like, the first look, because you're human at Halle Berry, is fine. Yeah. Right? The second one, I get the smacked. The second one, you get smacked. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not going to beat you up for being human, but at the same time, I'm going to hold you accountable in that second look. And I want to I wanna hone in on this on this humanity because humanity requires accountability. Yeah. Yeah, and I found freedom through sharing mm -hmm. in my safe space mm -hmm. of my marriage. Yeah. And we've been free for years. Yeah. And I want to tell you this. Freedom is not perfection. Yeah. And I want to tell you on this journey, I want you to write this down. It's not on the screens. Because I want to tell you how to get free in your marriage. Mm -hmm with sharing and creating safe space. Number one is transparency. That's what I let you see. My wife has every password. My team has every password for social media. Everywhere that there is a gate, I have accountability. Yes. Right? So transparency is what I let you see. Then number two is vulnerability. That's what I let you know. I then say, hey, this is a struggle. Mm -hmm. This is hard. Can you help me? So I move from transparent to vulnerability. Now I get to accountability. That's what I let you hold. Mm -hmm. 
My wife holds my humanity. It's hers. She is my chief accountability officer. Chief. And then I get to intimacy. Intimacy is when I have nothing to hide. That's right. I have come to find out that there's no such thing as perfection, but there is a such thing as freedom. Freedom is not being perfect. Freedom is having nothing to hide. That's right. In our marriage, Mm -hmm. there's nothing that we hide. Mm -hmm. Irene always says this. If you're hiding something, you're hurting someone. Yeah. And when I was hiding alcohol, because I was medicating with alcohol uh, in my mid-30s. We were leading the church. Everything was amazing on the outside, but on the inside, I was dying a slow death, had all this trauma from my past that I didn't know how to deal with, and the alcohol was giving me this temporary satiation that uh, turned into a full-blown addiction. Ended up in rehab. Here I am thinking, the world is better off without me because I'm in such shame. There's no way. I have ruined everything for Jimmy, my family. They're better off without me. That's the place where I was. But this man right here decided that he was going to invest in my recovery process and be a part of it with me. You had the capacity to hold my humanity. The Bible says in 12, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, uh, my grace is enough for you. When we express our weakness, the power of Christ comes in and his grace is sufficient for us, right? So now I can boast of his goodness. I am not ashamed of what happened to me or what I have been through from my past because I have experienced the freedom of Christ. I am six years, three months sober from alcohol addiction. And I can boast about what Jesus, my King Jesus, did in my life. And Jimmy had the capacity to hold my humanity. And when I felt so shameful and unlovable, he had the opportunity as a spouse to come in and love me, not accept my uh, lying about alcohol or whatever the addiction, my crazy making that the addiction made me. He decided to love the Irene that was going to come back from rehab and give her a second chance. And I'm so glad you did because we wouldn't be here. Our family wouldn't be better off we are better off today. Like, we are better off from that crisis experience. So I'm not afraid of rock bottom because it is an opportunity for the foundation of the rest of our lives to be built. That was so good. I want to make out right now. Some things will never change about this dude. (laughs) Y'all give me a minute. I want to, I wanna, if you're married, I want you to just kind of just, if you're sitting next to your spouse at, or maybe you're watching online, just, just, just grab their hand or your future spouse, you know, um, just, just let them know you're there. I've discovered something. Grace has a name. For me, the name's Irene. I have experienced The grace of God Mm -hmm. through my wife having grace for my humanity. Grace has a name. Mm -hmm. 
I know you want the abs, and I know you want all of that. I'm just going to say all of that. That's all good. But can they love you through your issues? Mm -hmm. Will they be there and see nothing seasons? Will they be there when bankruptcy and foreclosure could possibly, would they stay through that? Huh? Will they stay through your family of origin issues when you got drama with your mama? Job loss? See, love endures. It's large. And number three, and we're out of your way, it also, a different kind of love is a love that leads you to your destiny. I'm telling you, I, I, when Irene was at rehab, I was in counseling. Um, and if I'm honest, I was done. I was going to counseling so that I could be okay for my next wife. I'm just keeping it 100. I, I don't know how to do it. And I was glad that she was in rehab so I wouldn't have baby mama drama. I had, all, I had made vows. Our marriage is over. And I remember a counselor, Dr. Carroll, she had a little finger up in my face. Get your finger on my face. I'm paying you. And you pay somebody to tell you about yourself. And she said, uh, you're always complaining. She said, aren't you a pastor? She goes, so if Irene were to answer your altar call on a Sunday morning, would you turn her away? Because I know you wouldn't do church people like that. I was like, wow, ouch. And she said, maybe you'll never have the wife you want until you learn to love the wife you already have. And she says, because if you leave Irene now, the new Irene that comes back from rehab won't have a chance to heal the wounds that the old Irene has created in your heart, and you will follow you to your next marriage. You. It's not them, it's you. You keep following you. So we got to work on us. Because I realized that this is my destiny partner. In Genesis it says, God created us to be fruitful. Multiply, subdue, and have dominion. Dominion is to dominate. That's to bring heaven to earth. Mm -hmm. It requires a married couple mm -hmm. to produce fruitfulness yeah. and multiplication. Mm -hmm. The enemy doesn't want you to dominate. That's why he divides you. It's true. And I'm telling you, we, we, we have discovered and are still discovering that we're leading each other to our destiny. Yeah. And it's been beautiful. I remember over a year and a couple months ago, I said, Irina, I feel like God is calling us to, to shift our season of ministry and go into transition. And, and I don't feel like I'm supposed to be a senior pastor anymore. And it was safe. Mm -hmm. She said, tell me more. And I said, I, I feel like we're supposed to help marriages. And mm -hmm. I feel like this is our greatest form of anointing. Yeah. And her being okay with the conversation, because mm -hmm. for 21 years I had presented that this is what we're doing for the rest of our lives. 
And I said, I, hold the, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I want you guys to give up your stage so you can help other leaders stay on theirs for the rest of your life. And I said, okay. And she said, okay. And now we're doing this destiny thing. Yeah. And I just remember looking at you and saying, and I still say, wherever your dreams are and wherever God gives you a vision for, I'm there. And so are our kids. Like, I trust the priest of my house. Like, he is the leader of my house. I submit to that, and there's such covering in it. So when God gives him a vision for where we're to go, we're either going to sink together in the ship, That's good. That's good. and I'm not going to blame you for it because we're going down together, or we're going to rise together. So, yep. Ricky, can you bring me that, that cord? I, I just want to end on a thought. and Y'all give it up for Ricky at every campus every, yes. online. That's amazing. Irene and I, we were uh, on a trip going to Florida from Maryland. Long drive um, with the kids in the car. Don't do that. <laughs> we need a whole another me message on parenting. Um, I forgot to charge my phone that night and the navigation system's on my phone uh, and I didn't have a car charger. So we could only get halfway to our destination and then have directions. So I had to stop and get gas. I'll go in the gas station and I see They've got a sale on phone chargers. And I got five for $10, y'all. I'm telling you right now, I love a deal. And I come back in the car and I'm like, girl, I got this phone charger. Five for $10. And she was like, really? And I plugged it in. The first one didn't work. Second, third, fourth, fifth. And then this error message popped up on my phone that this accessory is not compatible. It looks good. It's attractive. It's got abs. She wears spandex. I did a little research after that and I realized that knockoff versions, they don't have the capacity to distribute heaven to earth. It was a capacity issue. This was meant to power something that's powerless. And if it's a knockoff version, it won't stick around long enough to do it. I am telling you that God's love that you claim that you have, that I believe we do have, it has the capacity to power things even when we don't have the compatibility. And I'm telling you right now, Union Church, I believe that the best days of your marriage are ahead and the worst days are behind. And I believe that if you get a definition and you embody that definition of a different kind of love, you will begin to experience aspects of God through your spouse that you've never had before. I've come to discover people who have a hard time connecting with God and worship have a hard time connecting with their spouse during warfare. That was me. That was 100% me. And I'm telling you that the first remedy for a different kind of love is to first accept it for yourself. That's right. That while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you.
He loved you despite your history, despite your humanity, because he has a destiny and a purpose for you. And all your issues, all my issues, all of your issues, do not disqualify you from the call of God on your life. The word says in Romans that the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. His grace is sufficient for you. So he has not changed his mind about you. You are broken, a raggedy rag doll in need of a savior like us all, okay? We all need Jesus. We all need to recover from something. And I believe that in this next season, we're gonna start having grace for ourselves and grace for others in a new and a fresh way. To love largely, love the way Jesus loves in a reconciling, graceful, unconditional way. And even if you've never experienced before it before for yourself, I pray that God would supernaturally create an experience, even in worship or through another person, that you could experience this love of God tangibly in a way that wrecks you and ruins you for God for the rest of your life. Can we stand at every campus and even if you're online? And I, I, I'm desperate for you. without you. I'm lost without you. Say it, I'm lost without you again. Say that, say that, say, say that. I'm lost without you. I'm lost without you, Jesus. I'm lost without you. I feel like in this moment God wants us to get our love right with him so that we can get our love right with them. And if you're listening under the sound of my voice, no matter what campus, if you're online, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you know that there is distance in your relationship with God, and I want to say it specifically like this, that there are things in your history and your humanity that God has already forgiven you for, but you haven't, you've had a hard time accepting forgiveness for yourself. Because you can't give what you have not received. And if you have not received the love of God, it's impossible for you to give love to other people. And right now, maybe you've been in church your whole life. And you says, man, I've had a hard time with this. If you have a this, I want you to raise your hand at every campus. I've got a this. God, I, I, I need help with this. I need God to help me get over that. Father, I pray right now for everyone who has their hand up. At every campus, even online. And those who may not have their hand up because of shame, but has their heart up. I pray, God, right now, God, that that sea of forgetfulness that you that the Bible describes, that you throw our sins and, and our grief and our guilt in. God, we pray right now, God, that we would see the sea. The sea of shame is gone. The sea of disappointment, the sea of unforgiveness, the sea of fear is gone because there's a sea of grace. Father, we forgive ourselves. You can put your hands down and maybe you're at a campus online and there is no relationship with God. Maybe you're married and you're like, it's been hard 
Jimmy and Irina, I love what you're saying. I want to experience that. Well, the first step to that is inviting Jesus into your heart. The Bible says that if any man be in Christ, if any person be in Christ, he is a new or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. You don't need a new spouse to experience new grace. So Father, right now, if that's you and you says, I want a new relationship with Jesus, I'm going to count to three. We're going to raise our hands. One, two, three, and hands are going up. I see hands. I just want you to repeat after me. Say, Jesus, today I accept your grace. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you are my Savior, that you are my Lord, that you are my King. Today, I'm free. Today, I'm new. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. In Jesus' name. Come on. Amen. Love you.